Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, those of you who just started coming in the last four weeks, I'm the real pastor, and uh, <laughs> I'm very. We are so blessed to have an incredible staff that are just excellent in pr- bringing God's word and teaching, and uh, and so I'm thankful for them, and they love being able to bring God's word to you, and they take it very serious, and so we're thankful that we have that kind of team on our on our on our team, that kind of those kind of individuals. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I too want to say uh, thank you to our veterans uh, for your service. You know. Veterans Day, it's a plural word, not apostrophe S. It's, it's, <coughs> it's for all veterans. And something that started after World War I, it's called Armistice Day, to celebrate the end of that war. But then 10 days after my birthday, June 1954, President Eisenhower declared Veterans Day and uh, to celebrate all veterans who have served and have served our country and have served faithfully. And we have many, many veterans in our service and in our church, and we're thankful for you. And did, did Bart have you all to stand up? He already did that, great. And uh, so thank you for your service. And I'm very, you know, what's really cool is you veterans have set an example to a lot of our young people. And as a result, we have a lot of our young people who are in service. Now, we, we have, uh, we've got two Navy SEALs. We, we've got an air uh, forward control guy which works with Navy SEALs uh, in the Air Force. Uh, we have a naval aviator who's gonna be flying jets off an aircraft carrier. Uh, we have a Black Hawk helicopter pilot in our church. Um, we have uh, artillery guys. We've got several in the Navy and uh, that are serving and one has just gone into the National Guard uh, I mean the um, Coast Guard uh, we have three physicians that uh, are serving in the military out of our church and we're just blessed so thankful for all those who are currently serving uh, is Brock is Brock here Brock seal there he is Brock is serving in our Navy and uh, and he just just got married, right? Did you get married? Yes, All right, congratulations. I will tell you, I'm going to embarrass Brock. We uh, we had our two years ago. He was in the 12th grade, and I take the 12th graders on the trip. And uh, so that particular year, we went to the Outer Banks and went deep sea fishing. And guess who got sicker more than anybody else? Well, it was Brock. I mean. We actually couldn't find him at one time uh, on the boat, and uh, you know it was a pretty big boat. And we looked everywhere for him, and we found him in the bathroom, asleep, hanging over a toilet. And uh, so <laughs> he was so sick. Of course, the rest of the trip we had to harass him about, and you're going into the navy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's done. He's gotten over that seasickness, and we're thankful for that. And Brock, we appreciate your service, and we thank you for what you do. Well. We are picking back up. We took a four-week off uh, from Romans, and so now we're picking back up in Romans, and we're going to continue this uh, until we get to the Christmas season. And today we're in Romans chapter 7. If you grasp 
What we're going to talk about today and next Sunday, the two go hand in hand. If you grasp what we're talking about today, it's going to save you a lot of heartache and a lot of heartburn. And it'll save you a lot of confusion about your Christian life. Typically, when a person becomes a Christian, uh, everything is going great. It seems like Satan has just backed off, not messing with you anymore. Uh, things have turned around. There's victory, there's joy, there's peace. But then after a while, you start, you start having the same problems again. It, it seems like they just rear their head up again. And the things that you thought were done. Hey, I prayed to receive Christ. I got baptized. I thought all that stuff was gone. But they start coming back. The old habits start knocking on the door again. And, uh, and then you start questioning things. You said, I, I thought I was done with all that. Maybe I'm not even a real Christian. Maybe, maybe I, I was faking it. And... I don't seem to have the ability to do what's right. And I don't seem to have the strength to do what's not, you know, to not do what's wrong. And I want to tell you, if you feel that way, well, guess what? You're in the same boat as every one of us, every single one of us. And you're in the same boat that Paul was in. I mean, Paul, he, he was a premier Christian. Uh, he, he was one of the stars. And yet, he writes Romans chapter 7, and I'm so glad he did because I can relate to what he writes in Romans chapter 7. And uh, so maybe you feel like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in your life, and maybe there's a part of you that wants to live for Christ, but there's a part of you that doesn't want to live for Christ. So, let's get into it. Bottom line is, you've got two natures. Romans chapter 7 explains, as a Christian, as a believer, you still have two natures. There's that new nature that you did not have before, that's talked about in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to read that in just a moment. This was given to you when you became a Christian. The moment you prayed to receive Christ... You receive this new nature. And this new nature that you have wants to do what is right. And this new nature wants to please God. Wants to live for God. You're earnest. You're sincere about it. And your new nature that God has given you when you became a Christian really wants to do what's right. So, number one. Our new nature desires the things of God and wants to live correctly. When you became a Christian, you received that new nature. Ephesians chapter 4. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception and the person that you deceive the most is really yourself. Instead, let the Spirit 
renew your thoughts and attitude. Let the, let the Holy Spirit come in and rewire your thinking. That's your new nature. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. My new nature is of such stature that I'm created to be like God. Not to be God, but to be like Him. Truly righteous and holy. Wow, that's a little step up, isn't it? That's a gigantic step up. I mean, you were here and all of a sudden God's taking you way out here. And you're so excited and you're thrilled. And then this little guy down here, you find out still attached to your foot. And he starts pulling on you. The Bible says you still have that old nature, that, that nature that you had before you became a Christian. Uh, you remember several weeks, you know, that's probably been about six weeks ago, I talked about the three tenses of your salvation. I said that you were saved. You were saved from the penalty of sin. You'll never, ever have to face the penalty of sin. If you're a believer, that's done. Never going to happen. And the future tense is you will be saved. You're going to be saved from the presence of sin. Sin will no longer be there. Temptation will no longer be there. That's a sure thing. That's called heaven. <clears throat> but the middle part where we live right now, we are being saved. We're being saved from the power of sin. Sin's got some power. And even though you've broken that power through Jesus, it still wants to hang around. And it still wants to pull at you. And, and so you're in a lifelong process of learning to control and deal with that power of sin. So our new nature desires the things of God and wants to live correctly. Our old nature desires our old habits and wants to sin. That's our old nature. I mean, that's why you could be a Christian for 40 years and all of a sudden you start having some temptations. You say, I haven't had those temptations since college. Why are they showing up now? So they, they never left. They're still there, just kind of lingering around, trying to find a way back in. Look at Colossians chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let him do that. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So you choose to let the Holy Spirit be in control you have to make that choice. He will not take control without your permission. So you choose to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature. You see, they're both, both natures are seeking to guide your life. And to not choose, well, the sin nature is going to win. But to choose to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide and control your life, that gives you victory over that old nature. 
Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil. It's made for it. Which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of which the sinful nature desires. See, you see what happens? The spirit gives you desires, but you have to choose to act upon those desires. The, Holy, uh, the, the sinful nature, it also gives you desires, but you choose or not to act upon those desires. In either case, it's your call. You get to choose. Am I, not, am I going to pay attention to the desires of the Holy Spirit or to my sinful desires? And guess how often you have to make that decision? All the time. Every moment by moment. When something happens that ratchets up your anger, somebody says something to you, gets you mad in a hot second, Somebody cuts you off in traffic and your Rambo mode kicks in. I I mean, in that split moment, you've got a choice. I want to go get revenge and show them who's really boss and maybe get myself killed in the process. Or I'll let him be the idiot and I'll choose not to be. So I'm going to let the idiot drive on down the road and I'm going to lay back here and get home safely. You got a choice. You deal with those kind of choices every day. Somebody comes to your office, somebody comes up to you at school, and they just immediately launch. They come in in high gear with emotions and already accusatory against you, and you're sitting there and you can just raise the ratchet up to meet them and you start getting in their face but the bible says you know a soft word will turn away wrath and and i found that whenever somebody raises it up i lower it down when when somebody raises their voice i actually lower my voice because then they have to go wait a minute what 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 did you say i mean it calms them down you know the bible says that Lower your voice and it'll, it'll calm them, them down a little bit. I cannot believe you did that. I, I'm sorry. Uh, help, tell me what, what are you talking about? Well, I, I just was really surprised when I heard, oh, really? Oh, I'm glad you talked about it because what you heard is not true. Now, see, you have instant decisions to make. One from the spirit and one from the enemy. And let's face it, I don't know what your batting average is. Some weeks mine's pretty good. Some weeks I shouldn't have gotten out of bed. You, f- you feel that? Right? And, and you know, usually when you think you really got it all together, that's when it hits you. You let your guard down. Your old nature desires old habits and wants to sin. So, Galatians 5 again. So I I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
And, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. There, there's no coexisting between these two. You cannot combine them and come up with a better plan. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. So listen to this. There's a battle that's constantly going on inside of you. And it's Satan's evil spirit and it's God's Holy Spirit. And you're, it's almost like you're the spectator, but then you decide, you decide which one you're going to follow. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the laws of Moses. In other words, you're, you're not living by a bunch of do's and don'ts. Get this one. We struggle as Christians when we try to, try, to live, try to live life by our own energy and power, we struggle. And we are doomed to failure when we try to do that. So you've got two natures, and you've got them the rest of your life. And the new nature wants you to do what is right, and the old nature wants you to go your old way. And this civil war is inside of every believer. So what can you say about your old nature? It only wants you to sin. It never wants you to do what is right, never. It only wants you to mess up. It only wants you to hurt people. It only wants you to think about you. It's the one that says it's all about you. That's your old nature. So Romans 7 is a portrait of a struggling Christian. It's, it's Paul's autobiography. It's confronting those who know we're not alone. I, I, I appreciate Paul being so vulnerable because I sit there and I read this and say, well, he could be talking about me. I appreciate Paul using some gut level honesty here, sharing his feelings and sharing his struggles. <clears throat> and he writes them down for posterity. He bears his soul. And I relate to it. So what does it mean to live under the law? <clears throat> it's you trying to please God on your own efforts. That's what that means. I'm going to please God by being a good person. You can't do it. It just will not happen. You cannot do it by your own dedication, by your own willpower. That just leads to frustration. So here's the deal. Paul says, we're back in Romans now. Paul says, I've got a problem. Romans 7, 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. So Paul says, I've got a problem. And before you ever get victory in your life, you have to admit you got a problem. And it's the problem of these two natures. I've got to face up to that. Sin wants to dominate my life. And sometimes it does a very good job. My biggest problem is not the devil. My biggest problem is me. I get in my own way. 
Then Paul said, I'm confused. Verse 15. I don't understand myself. How many of us could have written that verse? I, I could have written that. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. And instead, I do the very thing I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. You know, that's comforting to me that even Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, does not always understand. As brilliant as he was and as smart as he was, he didn't always understand what was happening in his life. I appreciate his honesty. Paul's one of the, one of the great Christians to ever live. And he's saying, I don't always get it. I always don't understand this. So he has two perplexing questions. How can I stop doing bad things? And how can I start doing good things? Same questions you and I have. Paul said, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm just frustrated. Verse 17. So I, I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I just cannot do it. I, I want to do what is right, but I don't. I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, Every one of us could have written those verses. These are, this is all way too personal. Every one of us. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. Basically, Paul is saying, I, I have the greatest intentions but I cannot seem to pull it off. Nothing seems to change. Okay, starting tomorrow, I'm going to have my quiet time. I'm going to do it for, you know, an hour every morning. And I'm going to spend time in prayer and talking to God. And then you get up tomorrow and say, well, I've got 30 minutes. I can put it into it today. And you know, I'm going to do 30 minutes. You do your 30 minutes. And the next day you say, oh, I forgot about that meeting I got. I, you know, I'm going to get 10 minutes in. I'll get 10 minutes in. And then before you know it, by the end of the week, I'll, I'll catch up over the weekend. I'll, I'll read a bunch of chapters over the weekend. You, you ever done that? It's frustrating, isn't it? He says, I have the greatest intentions and I just cannot pull it off. You know, I found a summary of Romans chapter 7, verse 17, that we just read. I found a summary of it, and it is in a tremendous theological book that I have in my library. So I wanted to get it out for you, because I want to read this part to you. Um, this theological book, I don't think it's going to be over your head. It, it's called The Frog and Toad Together. <laughs> a lot of... 
lot of theological truth in here. Um, so this chapter is called Cookies. Toad baked some cookies, and the cookie smelled very good, said Toad. And he ate one. Good for him. And they tasted even better, he said. So Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, frog, cried Toad. Taste these cookies that I've made. So the frog ate one of the cookies, said, These are the best cookies I've ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one right after the other. See, they're sitting on their little toad stools <laughs> in their little toad house, eating their cookies. Said, I know, Toad, said Frog, <clears throat> with his mouth full. I, I think we should stop eating. We will soon be sick. <clears throat> you were right, said Toad. Let, let's eat one last cookie, and then we'll stop. <clears throat> so Frog and to Toad ate one last cookie. Just, just one more. There were many cookies left in the bowl. Frog said, Toad, let's just eat one very last cookie, and then we will stop. So Frog and Toad ate one last, very last cookie. Now, Toads cried out, we must stop eating. Uh, yes, said Frog, reaching for a cookie. What we need is willpower. Well, what is willpower, asked Toad. Well, willpower is trying hard not to do something. And, and what you really want to do, said Frog. You mean like trying not to eat all these cookies? He said, right, right, that's exactly right. That's what willpower is. <coughs> so Frog put the cookies in a box. He said, there, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said to Toad. <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's true, said Frog. So Frog tied a string around the box. There, now we will not eat one, any more cookies. But you know, we can cut the string and then open the box, said Toad. Well, that, that's true, said Frog. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So Frog went and got a ladder, and he put the box up on a high shelf. There, said Frog, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf and cut the string and open the box, said Toad. Well, that is true, said Frog. So Frog climbed the ladder and took down the box, and he, he cut the string, and he opened up the box, then Frog took the box outside and he shouted in a loud voice, Hey birds, here are cookies. And birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and they flew away. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said Toad sadly. Not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. And Toad said, Frog, oh, Frog said, yeah, I'm going to go home now and bake a cake. 
That's it. That's Romans chapter 7. Those stupid cookies. We always have an excuse. Here's the fourth thing that Paul said. He said, I'm in a battle and I am losing. Romans 7, verse 21. I have discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart and and there is another power within me that is at war with my mind and this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still in me. I'm getting tired and I feel like giving up. That's what he's saying. I'm just tired of fighting this. This is just the law of, kind of like the law of gravity. It ties you down. You can flap your arms as much as you want to, but gravity is going to keep you on the ground. There is one problem in Romans 7, and it's really the introduction to Romans 8, which we're going to do next week. In Romans 7, the key word is I, me, my, myself. But in Romans 8, the key phrase is the Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit's not mentioned once in chapter 7. And that's why we're defeated. Because anybody who tries to live the Christian life on his own power, he's not going to make it. And that's what all Romans 7 is about. Trying to live it under your own power, and it's not enough. This old nature, the law of sin, drags you down like gravity. Next time you see a dead bird, try throwing it up back in the air and see what's going to happen. It's going to fall right back down into the ground. Why? Well, there's no life in it. There's no life in that bird. A Christian who tries to keep the law in his own power is dead, and he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it in his own strength. So that's why Paul, in verse 24, basically said, I feel trapped. 724. Oh, what a miserable, some of your translations say wretched, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, the word miserable or wretched in the Greek literally means worn out from exhaustion. It means you have fought such an intense battle that you're absolutely out of energy. And Paul cries out in agony, God, I cannot change. I have no willpower. I have no willpower. So next week, we're, we're going to find all out about that. I mean, here's the solution. The only way that you can live the Christian life is to let Jesus Christ live his life through you. So let's stop there. And let's thank God that chapter 7 does not 
end the book. And thank God that there's a chapter 8. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And those who were baptized today, it was a demonstration of their own death, burial, and resurrection. And the receiving of the Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus when he was baptized. So I pray, Father, now that as we fight these battles, that we're going to learn that we have a power source that this world cannot give us, the power of your Holy Spirit. So thank you for the victory we know we're going to have. In Jesus' name we pray.